Welcome to this Purdue Engineering podcast, featuring research that addresses critical issues related to societal resilience in the face of crises, and efforts to engineer long-term solutions for a more robust future. My name is Jared Pike. I am the Communications Specialist for the School of Mechanical Engineering here at Purdue. Today we're going to talk to Eric Nauman, Professor of Mechanical Engineering, whose field of expertise is on the field, the football field where he is working to reduce head injuries in sports. He is a sought-after expert in concussion research in both American football and soccer. For his biggest research project, he collaborated with Professor Tom Talavich, who is now the head of biomedical engineering at the University of Cincinnati. They placed acceleration sensors on the heads of high school football players and also conducted fMRI studies of their brains. By coordinating the two data sets, Professor Nauman found remarkable evidence that it's not just concussions that can cause brain damage. Tracking every hit that the players took over the the practices and games, we were able to tease out that players' brains were changing quite a bit, and concussions were actually really just uh, uh, one type of neurotrauma. They put the helmet on and they think, okay, now I'm invincible. But in reality, all the, all the helmet is designed to do is take, a, is take an impact and spread it out over a larger area so that it doesn't cause a skull fracture. And by and large, they do that very well. How do we get rid of the energy in the collision so that it's not absorbed by your brain and doing damage to your brain? Helmets don't actually do a very good job of that. The modern helmets are still much more like the 1960s cars. You hit and that solid structure doesn't absorb any energy and your brain just sloshes back and forth, back and forth. What we want to do is create helmets that have a a crumple zone, that deform, that take a lot of that energy out of the hit and keep it away from your brain so that your brain doesn't have to deal with with all of the the damage that occurs when when you absorb lots of energy. The focus needs to be on creating these new style of helmets and now you know, just within the last year or two, we've proven that it's not only technically feasible, but economically feasible as well. Our big focus is on protecting athletes, allowing them to, or ensuring that they are able to play better, play safer. As a mechanical engineer, Professor Nauman's first instinct was to work on the equipment, on building a safer helmet. But he and Professor Talavich also took an opportunity to experiment with behavioral adjustments as well. Football linemen, the big guys in the middle, typically start each play in a three or four point stance, meaning they lean forward with their hands on the ground, and then bolt upwards like a sprinter when the play starts. The Purdue researchers wanted to know what would happen if linemen simply stood in a two point stance at the start of the play. Would head impacts be affected? Here's Professor Talavage. Fairly early on uh, in our research, we were observing that for some of the teams uh, we were studying, a lot of the players were involved in an extremely large number of collisions in their practices. And we saw very early on that the vast majority of the hits that players experience during a season take place in practice, typically two-thirds for starters and for kids who therefore relatively not starters or play infrequently during the games, it gets up size 80, 90% of their events are taking place in practice, obviously. Um, so it was fairly quickly apparent that a real big issue would be, can we cut down what's occurring in the practice 
and still yeah. keep the guys healthy and ready to play in the games. Ultimately what occurred is when then we had a connection through our colleague Paul Auerbach at Stanford. Paul had been espousing the idea of trying to change behavior as well. Paul wrote a column for JAMA in 2016, Journal of the American Medical Association, uh, proposing the idea that what if all the linemen start in a two-point stance, so they start more upright rather than down on the ground, uh, with the idea that because you no longer are in, uh, as, as Eric describes it, a sprinter's stance where you're going to explode forward with your head, you're actually forced to kind of come up and use your hands as the first point of contact, that should in fact reduce the number of impacts. And he's been proposing that for a while, so this was our first opportunity to test that. Again, Eric Nauman. I think a lot of our early thoughts on how to intervene were uh, trying to create sensors or create better equipment and that kind of thing. And, and I think what Dr. Auerbach's idea is a very elegant idea because you say, well, let's just change the stance. It'll slow the, the lines coming together. It'll give them more time to prep. And, and when you talk about athletes at that level, you know, even a few tenths of a second actually changes how they engage quite a bit. So we thought, okay, well, that, that sounds great. At first point, we saw the, the jammer, well, yeah, you should just do it. Why, why not do it? And, uh, and then we thought, okay, well, it actually might be a good idea to team up and try to get some of this data. And so Paul got us into uh, the Spring League. Spring League was very generous in terms of allowing us access and, and, help, and helping us work with the athletes. Now, the Spring League is a professional developmental league that, that occurs in a short time period, but the, the athletes get to work with professional level coaches and they get to work on skills, they get to have scrimmages and games in front of scouts. And so it's a very nice showcase for, for the athletes to, to learn and then show what they can do. We normally had done this with high school students. And so the idea is you put a sensor behind the ear, you kind of, you put a little bit of glue back there and you press it on and, and, uh, and then they put their helmet on and actually they, they kind of forget about it. It's not a big deal for, the, for them. Sensors are very thin and small and they just record the data. There's nothing terribly what fancy about it. They actually record the uh, head acceleration. So, and that's pretty much it. The, the, the acceleration, translational acceleration, rotational acceleration. It's always interesting getting the sensors on the players. It takes a little longer than you think. And, uh, and we had seen some big players in high school, um, but nothing like what we saw here. So I, you know, I always tell a story, I'm 6'2", I'm, uh, I'm 6'5", six six wingspan, and there was one kid that I was trying to put his sensor on, but he was turned sideways towards me, and I couldn't actually reach up behind his ear. And, uh, and I didn't understand, you know, I'm like, I'm sitting there trying, like I'm kind of pawing at his head, trying to figure, what's, figure out what's going on. So I finally had to turn him about 45 degrees so I could, I could you know, put, move his ear back and put the sensor on. And, uh, and some of these guys were just huge and fast and quick. And we saw, um, once we got the sensors on, it, it probably took, well, we over had, an hour, yeah, two, a couple hour. hours. You know, it, it, was, it was challenging just to get everybody organized and get sensors on, make sure you didn't actually try to put two sensors on one person. <laughs> Um, but then you see the receivers go out. So then, then we get a bit of time to just watch what's happening, see what's going on, make sure none of the sensors accidentally get knocked off or anything. And we got to see the receivers. Um, these receivers were so amazing. They would, they would go out, they sprint 10 yards, plant, spin, and, uh, and we're like, how do you say, we're just 
impressed, very impressed by the, the level of athleticism. And uh, we get the data back that night and we're looking at the data and, uh, and Taylor pulls it up and she says there's these uh, bunch of these 10G hits but there, weren't, there wasn't any hitting going on and so we matched it up to the video and we realized that it was those spin moves. They would, they would plant their foot and spin and catch the ball and they were moving so fast that it was a 10G, you know, 8 to 12G type of event every time they spun around. And, and uh, that's when we kind of realized we're working with athletes that were, I don't, I don't want to disparage the high school kids, but they're, they're just at a different level, right? Like yeah. it's, a, it's a very different kind of thing. And uh, so that was fun. That was, that was a very interesting. Then you're just tracking, trying to record every crazy thing that happens. If you see them doing a drill you've never seen before, we write it down, try to figure out what that is so that we know what to look for later. Again, Tom Talavage. So obviously on every single play that takes uh, occurs out on the football field, um, the lines come together. And so your offensive linemen and your defensive linemen are going to have some form of collision, whether that's body to body, helmet to helmet, helmet to body, whatever. And it turns out that over the course of a season, when you're going through practices, you're going and drills in practice, and you go through the game. And so a typical college game, for example, has between about 100 and 150 offensive plays get run. So each team's offensive linemen and defensive linemen are involved in typically 65, 75 plays. So that's 65, 75 opportunities to get hit. And what and they we take advantage of those. <laughs> they do. They take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. And what we had found previously with our studies in high school players was that over the course of a season, some of our high school players were taking on the order of a hundred hits that would exceed twenty times the force of gravity, twenty G, on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. And when we had players who were up at that frequency of of getting hit for relatively robust impacts, then that was when we started seeing appreciable changes in how their brain responded to tasks and that were strongly suggestive of impaired physiology. The brain was having to work very hard to do really quite simple tasks. It could still do the hard tasks. It's just that it took as much energy to do the simple task as it took to do the hard task, which is a concern. Um, so your objective then here is saying, okay, if these players are typically taking, you know, at a high school level, let's not take our extreme players who I think would have hit anything that moved nearby. Um, but a typical offensive lineman in a high school would be taking still 60 to, 60 to 70 hits of at least 20 G per week. And I think when we get to the professional level, they don't typically practice as much, but now in the game, basically every play is a very high intensity play. So those are probably still reasonable numbers for expectations. Um, so over the course of the season, that's gonna be, for a professional football player, you're talking about a thousand hits of this nature, which is an awful lot. And that's, that's at the level where in our high school kids, we essentially could guarantee we saw changes in brain health. Uh, typically, it took maybe 400 or 500 of those hits and we'd see those changes. But if you're pushing 1,000, it's pretty much a given. So the question becomes, how do you knock that down? So we took video of the entire process and then uh, Taylor, our graduate student, went through and she 
decided whether a particular lineman was in an up two-point stance or down in a three or four-point stance, tallied the number of events, acceleration events, hits that they took on that play, and then when we went through and compared everything, it turned out that the players who were in a two-point stance, who were more upright, ended up taking about 40% fewer hits per play than did the linemen who started out in a down stance. By having the players start instead of down in the sprinter stance, but now more in an upright two-point stance, so their hands are already free and available for contact. It turns the impact at the line from being more of a head first, I'm trying to butt you out of the way, or even almost tackle you as an offensive player by hitting you with my head, my shoulders, or trying to grab you. Um, and it turns it much more into uh, a heavyweight wrestling type of type, right, of, type right. of impact, and that's actually much much better mm -hmm. because you know for for the higher classes in wrestling in high school levels and then the college levels, there's very few times where people get taken down. For the most part, the person comes in and you bring them in with your hands and you're trying to control them and guide them with your hands. So it increases hand play for the lineman, which results in fewer hits to the head. So that was the objective of this intervention. Again, Eric Nauman. And that was a nice one because it basically is talking about you either start in a sprinter stance or you start in a two-point stance, and, and the two-point stance gives you that you know, couple tenths of a second to, to react differently. What I liked about it and what I thought was very elegant about Dr. Auerbach's suggestion was um, this idea that football is not meant actually to be such a brutal sport. It's not meant to be extreme violence. It's meant to be a three or four second chess match. And so when you put them in the two point stance, you actually encourage that. You, you have to leverage yourself. You have to put yourself in the right position. You have to move somebody. And, uh, and that to me is much more in keeping with the spirit of what football is supposed to be about. Um, and so, so that one I thought, again, like, now that we've done this study and we saw that when you start in a two-point stance, at least in this model, this, this uh, uh, set of scrimmages, the number of hits went down about 40%. So at that point, in my mind, you know, there's no downside to going this route. So I, I would advocate for them to just all be in a two-point stance every play. But uh, um, we'll certainly do more studies to, to try to see, okay, when, you, when you're playing an actual game, do you get those same benefits? The nice thing about it is that, again, simple, doesn't change the game in any meaningful way, um, especially from the, the viewer's perspective, the audience perspective. So I don't see any reason not to have the linemen all start in a two-point stance. Next step, I think, is to, is, is to introduce some method of, of putting cheap sensors in the helmets that'll call penalties automatically so that we can clean up the game and especially the kind of situations where somebody's leading with their head you can identify that in practice and coach them out of it um, that's that's where I would like to go next so there's a lot of different things that we can do to improve the the safety around contact sports I can't take all the hits out that's that's simply not feasible um, but what we can do with very simple interventions, some behavioral, some maybe some, some cheap circuitry, um, will, will be of tremendous value. We can, we can make these sports um, safe enough that parents won't sit there and debate should they play um, football or run track. It's, it's going to be 
there's a certain level of risk and we're trying to even that out across all the sports essentially and I feel I'll feel pretty good we get to the point where you can just play whatever sports you want to play and there isn't that elevated risk of long-term damage I'll feel like we've done our job that was Professor Eric Nauman of Purdue Mechanical Engineering talking about reducing head injuries in football. My name is Jared Pike. Thank you very much for joining us. Be sure to listen to our other Purdue Engineering podcasts and see the show notes on the podcast website, engineering.purdue.edu slash podcast. <laughs> <laughs>